Welcome to the Trade Table on SIN 90.7 for all you need to know about the trade and free agency period powered by AFL TRDON. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash the trade table or follow us on Twitter at the trade table. Hello and welcome to a massive ed- draft edition of the trade table. There's three sleeps until the national draft so we've played all our big cards for the, today for the show. Um, we've saved our biggest and best show for last. It's an hour-length show rather than half an hour. Um, so we've got the whole team in for our biggest show. Well, the whole team other than Dan, who's in Bali, and Billy, who's coaching tennis. But I've asked Ben to come in, and he couldn't come either. In, in either. So it's just me. That's right, the A-team. Um, there's one of us here today uh, for our biggest and best show of 2017. Um, I've never hosted before, and I've also never panelled, so... Should be pretty interesting. Um, ben complains all the time about how hard it is, but I'm sure it's not too hard. Anyway, um, not to worry. We probably won't even have enough time to get through what we have to get through this hour. Um, but yeah, we've been luck- we'll be lucky enough to be joined later by Ryan O'Connor, talent manager of the Sandringham Dragons, who obviously boasts top draft prospects like Andrew Brayshaw and Charlie Constable. Um, we'll be joined by Eastern Rangers talent manager Len Villani. Um, who aren't short of a draft certainty either. Adam Chera and Jaden Stevenson alone will probably go top 10. Um, but first, we're going to talk to AFL Draft Central draft expert Matt Barmer. Um, he's back on the trade table. We joined Dan a couple of weeks ago when Dan was one out. Um, and he's been good enough to join us again. G'day, Matt. How are you going? Hi, Harrison. Thanks for having me back on. Yeah, no worries. Um, before we get into some rumours talk that I want to get into with you, um, I want to get your thoughts on the draft as a whole. Um, if you can think of a draft where sort of almost every single pick has been so unknown, you know, like I'd love to hear which one because it's just about as open as it's ever been, don't you think? Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous really to, to be on the Tuesday before draft week and not knowing who's going to pick one and then who's probably not going to pick two, three, four either makes things look pretty hard. Uh, it's pretty open. I haven't seen a year like this ever before where, you know, you can throw a blanket over about 10 names or five names, especially for pick one. You wouldn't look at it place to pick anyone else other than those ones. Yeah, do you think would you think it's down to um, two for pick one, maybe Brayshaw and Rayner or would there be, would Luke Davies Uniac be, still be a chance, maybe even Paddy Dow? No, I think at the moment it's down to the last two, so down to Cam Rayner and uh, Andy Brayshaw, I believe Stephen Canole's flying up to Sydney or Brisbane today from Victoria so I think they'll have a decision in mind what they're doing, they caught up with Andy Brayshaw yesterday so uh that, you know, I'm sure Ryan O'Connor might know a bit more, but he probably might not give too much away. But, <laughs> yeah, it seems like it's down to Cam Rayner or Andy, McGrath, uh, Andy Brasher, I should say, at this stage. Yeah, it looks pretty open. It's sort of um, a bit unprecedented, really. Um, Matt, on Cal Toomey's sort of Road to the Draft podcast, he had Gillan McLaughlin on the other day, and um, Gillan sort of uh, flagged that um, it's a likely possibility that we could have mid-draft trading. Um, so, for example... If we had it in this year, something like if Freo wanted Chera um, at five and North took Chera at four, Freo could say, well, we'll give you five and maybe a later pick in the 30s or 40s if you give us Chera. Do you like this idea? Do you reckon, um, what do you reckon it add to the draft? Yeah, it's an interesting one. I uh, spent earlier in the week watching Draft Day, which is the NFL sort of version of a movie sort of feature length of sort of the process of Draft Day and, and how they sort of put it together a whole day in a sense, but... Uh, I think it'll come into the AFL at some point. I know, speaking to a few clubs earlier this year, they thought sort of live trick picks and stuff like that was sort of going to be on the board, but um, they sort of mentioned players might almost be on the board by the end of the year, but uh, we'll see. I think 
I think it'll happen long term. I know some clubs have been planning for it, and there's been a lot more focus on the youth sort of side of recruiting and bringing in the sort of the stats guys just to give you that every single step of, you know, to make a decision. Because if you do, you know, trade pick five for pick four just because you like a kid and you know that, you know, for example, as you said, you know, uh, Fremantle like, might like Adam Chera really badly, but uh, North want him as well. So I think it'll happen at some point, yeah. Do you think it um, would add to the excitement of the draft night? Um, or do you think it would be a bit too much? I think it would draw it out. It would make it a long night. And I think the step is that the clubs will be back in their bunkers at home. And they might see an event sort of run from sort of mid-afternoon all the way through to sort of 9pm. Because at the moment, sort of an hour and a half, you're at the draft. And I remember last year, you got to sort of pick 50 and there's people leaving. And it's sort of hard to keep the spectacle there. I know the NFL do it really well. And gets a lot of publicity and I think that's a step for the AFL. They keep the publicity going, draw the interest in, yeah, people will be interested in it, but at the moment it's probably not there enough to be a long sort of format at this stage. Yeah. Um, I want to get into some sort of draft whispers with you. Um, I want to get, we talked a bit about Andrew Bayshaw before. It's a bit of an interesting one where he's probably, as you said, one of only two contenders for pick one, um, but if he doesn't go pick one, which you know some will say is fairly likely... Um, he may well slip out of the top four, maybe even top five. Um, it sort of just goes to show how hard this draft is to read. Um, what do you think will happen with, with Andy Brayshaw? It's a hard one. It's funny. I sort of had Cam Rainer sort of locked in for the last week with pick one and a recruiter messaged me this morning and said, oh, maybe you should have a think about that and, and find out how the meeting went yesterday with Brayshaw, which sort of means that maybe clubs think that Brayshaw is a genuine chance to be pick one. But if he doesn't go one, there's pick two to... Fremantle, Freo like him, but Freo might almost hope that he gets to pick five in a sense, so I think they've got their heart set on Luke Davies' uniac, and that's all it sounds like, so pick five, uh, pick three, you know, Carlton like Paddy Dow really badly, and they've been linked to Adam Chera as well, so um, you know, Brayshaw could be there at pick four for North Melbourne, and, and even North Melbourne might not take him, and he gets through to Freo at pick five. I don't think he gets through to Collingwood, and have sort of, the only chance of that is if North Melbourne took Darcy Fogarty, which I sort of get the feeling they probably won't. So, uh, it's probably unlikely to get to past six five though. Yeah, it's all up in the air. You had um, throughout a lot of the year. I mean, um, Brayshaw's sort of thrown a spanner into the works, but throughout a lot of the year, it's sort of been the Rainer, Davies, Uniac, and Dow as the clear standout three. You had in your power rankings, not your fandom draft, but your power rankings. You released the other. You had Chera at three. Um, how do you see him over um, Paddy Dow? Yeah, I've watched Chera play sort of a few times in the last few years. I remember watching him in the Tack Cup Grand Final in 2015, it would have been. And he played pretty well as a 16-year-old then. And last year, he missed footy through his knee injury. And then this year, he showed some pretty good signs. He carried a knee injury early. And then uh, a shoulder issue kept him out for the second half of the year. And he had to have surgery. So he's a hard one to read. And I think that's the same thing with clubs. Are that They're probably picking him a bit on potential because they haven't seen him have a full year and... Uh, get through all the injuries, but uh, I think he'll be right long-term in the AFL. He's got plenty of upside, so um, I really like him as a player, and I think he'll be the player that I thought was probably going to be pick one if he had a full season, so um, I'm sure Len Villani will touch on it as well. He's got high hopes for Adam Scherer as well. Yeah, sort of interesting. He's another one that um, is in the, the AFL Academy. I think the AFL Academy missed pick one and two last year, um, so pretty interesting. Um, another Interesting one is Ed Richards. Um, some see him as a sort of a late teens pick. Some even have him as late as 20. Um, there's rumours floating around that 
he could bolt all the way up to six at the pies. Um, have you heard that at all? Would he be a good fit at, fit at Collingwood? Yeah, I know Brett Anderson flagged it yesterday in his mock draft on SEN. So I'll come by you uh, that pies are considering Adam Chair, uh, sorry, Ed Richards, and I know uh, a few other clubs have sort of mentioned it as well. And I got a phone call this afternoon about someone saying it's actually a possibility. Does it happen? Oh, probably not, but I've seen stranger things happen. And the beauty about it is that Collingwood will back themselves in. They took Braden Sire the other year when probably no one else thought that uh, he was probably ranked that high. And um, if they think Ed Richards is the man, they think Ed Richards is in the man. Western Bulldogs have been linked at nine for him. Uh, Carlton at pick 10 as well. So it's not too far out of his range. I think I had him about sort of 17, 18, but um, the club seem a lot more than I do. So they've got a fair idea. Yeah, would he, would he fit in at Collingwood at six as a player? Would he fit in? I think he can. I think he's got that really good left foot kick that they need coming off half-back. He's got the speed. Uh, he's got the agility. He's going to probably end up maybe inside mid or across half-back. And plenty of upside with those sort of kids. It's his first year playing for Oakley Chargers as well. So, um, yeah, I think he's got some some upside. Would I take him at six? Probably not. But I can see why Collingwood would consider him, yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting one again. Um have you heard anything about Jaden Stevenson slipping sort of all the way out, possibly even into the teens? I mean, he's um, he's got a he's got a heart condition that some clubs. I mean, I think Brett Anderson said that two clubs have sort of categorically ruled him out. Um, he's been he's there's if there's almost no doubt that he's just about a top five or six talent, um, and he's been touted a lot of the years um, a chance for top five, along with the other few boys. Um, what do you think about Jaden Stevenson? Have you heard anything about him slipping all the way out, or where do you think he'll go? Yeah, it's a hard one for him, and I feel for Jaden as well because there's no doubt, as you say, he's a top sort of five, top seven pick um, on ability, but it's just that those screenings at the Combine that they've sort of started doing in the last few years, they picked up Alex Villas last year and it showed that you know it was pretty dangerous for him to play footy again. Now, I don't think Jaden's is as bad from what I understand, and I don't know the full sort of details because it's sort of trying to keep it under wraps, and at the same time, you don't want to sort of spread stuff that's incorrect around sort of the personal issues with that. And I think... Uh, St Kilda are probably the ones more linked with him. They went to his medical screening the other week. Um, they had last week at Etihad Stadium. So um, that might be an inkling that, yeah, they know more. And I think the fact is that the club's recruiters, it'll be out of their hands. I think as the Medico staff tick him off, um, he'll be fine to be taken wherever. But, oh, look, I could see him there getting into the teens. I know probably Richmond are probably haven't had a look at him and consider him because... With 17, 20, 25, you can probably take a punt and see what happens. Um, I think uh, you could almost get into the 20s and it'd be, it wouldn't be a shock for me if he's called out in the 20s on draft night, but we'll just see how the medicals rule and that's probably where the decision-making is going to lie. Jeez, you wouldn't be shocked if he's in the 20s. That's a huge call. I haven't heard um, too many people have him passed really five or six and then there's been a couple. I mean, I think Cal Toomey said he might get to 13 or 14, but the 20s would be a big slip. Yeah, well, I think it's the issue for the clubs is that if you're uh, Richmond, for example, you're sort of looking at it going, well, he must be slipping to 17 for a reason. What are clubs finding out about him that we don't know type of thing? And look, we'll find out. I'm sure the medical staff, if St Kilda, for example, tick him off, that you'll be definitely in the mix at 7 and 8. But um, every club's got their own. Some I know have ruled him out for sure. So that might take out a few of those picks in sort of the 9 to 17 range. So, um, yeah, we'll see what happens and I hope for the best for him and... Fingers crossed he's okay to play for footy. Yeah, we do. Um, just before we finish with you, um, where do you see there's probably two 
Um, I mean, Tyler Brown might get bid on as well, but there's probably two significant players that'll get bid on early. You've got Connor Ballenden in your power rankings at 25. Some will say that's a bit high. Uh, where do you see Connor Ballenden getting bid at? It's interesting one for Connor because I think a few of us came into the season thinking he was a genuine top 10 chance and he showed some signs in the Vic Metro against Queensland trial game last year where he had 17 disposals, six marks and booted two goals. He was really impressive that day at Icon Park but his season hasn't lived up to expectations. He's played a bit defence, he's played a bit forward, played in the ruck. So uh, where does he end up? Probably Melbourne's a chance at one of their picks in the second round of bid. I'd expect it to probably come after pick 30 though. And do you think the Lions will match it? Yeah, I would assume so. As long as it didn't come something ridiculously in like pick 14 or something, which it won't, um, yeah, they'll match it in the 30s easily. Um, the other one is Patrick Naish from the Northern Knights, son of Chris Naish. Um, where do you see his bid coming? I think the Tigers are going to be licking their lips after Friday because I know a few people had touted early days that Naish was a chance to get bid on early, but everything it sounds like and all the clubs you speak to sort of sounds like it's going to be after pick 25, which is... Richmond's third pick in that sort of 17 to 25 bracket. So they'll match it with their two in the 50s. It's hard to tell what club's going to bid on those sort of kids. You just don't know. But, uh, yeah, it sounds like it'll be after pick 25, which is a steal for Richmond. Yeah, that would be good. Three um, top 25 picks down in age. They'd be happy with that. The last one I wanted to touch on with you, um, Noah Bolt has been one that's um, been really liked by a lot of draft experts. Um, some have had him really high. Um, where do you see Noah Bolt up? Yeah, I've got Noah ranked inside my top sort of 20 names. I really like his work. On draft-wise, though, I think he's probably going to fall in the 30 to 40 range, maybe even later in the 40s somewhere. There's a few question marks with him, and you're looking, I'm looking at him as there's plenty of upside and potential there, but I know a few clubs will question, you know, you could say whether he's going to get there. Um, and it is, maybe it's a risk for a club that doesn't have too many picks. Richard might still consider him at 25. There's probably other names. They've got in front of him, but um, yeah, he's pulsated a few clubs. I know some like him, some don't, and that's just the reality with those sort of players. That sort of 195 centimetres, it's got good X factor, good leap. Decision making needs a bit of work, but um, there's plenty to, to like there from Noah, and I think he'll mould into a key position defender, but it's going to need some time in the state leagues. Yeah, that's why I sort of uh, wanted to ask you about him. You have him at 17, and um, as you said, he might slip to 30 or 40. I think Brett Anderson had him somewhere in the early 40s. Um, it seems like a long slide. Um, but do you see him as a key back? I mean, I've heard um, a lot of people say he's probably going to end up as a key forward and maybe even a second ruck, but do you see him as a key back? Well, I think the issue with that is that at 195 centimetres, to play in the ruck, yeah, he's got a good leap, but you come up against some of the other 200 centimetres slash talls, it's probably harder to compete the AFL. It's probably got away a little bit at tack up level and quarters used him forward and ruck, and it's worked okay, but... I think all the clubs picking him are thinking he can get to a key position defender and they tried to groom him there for Vic Metro. So um, that's where I think he'll end up. But look, time will tell because he'll have to spend a few years playing VFL, Sandful, Waffle. So uh, we'll see what happens there. Yeah, um, it's going to be really interesting. Um, we don't know what's, as we said, it's one of the most open drafts we can remember in recent times. Um, it's going to be a really interesting night on Friday. Thanks for joining us again, uh, Matt. Thanks for your insights. No, no worries, Harrison. Thanks for that. Uh, Matt Barmer's insights always um, give us a lot on this show, but um, we're even luckier now to be joined by Sandringham Dragons talent manager Ryan O'Connor. G'day, Ryan. How are you going? How are you, mate? 
Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no worries. Um, let's get straight into it. I have to ask about Andrew Brayshaw first. We just talked to um, to Matt a bit about him just then. Um, he's sort of one that goes under the radar a little bit on the field um, because you sort of won't see him take the million-dollar kick or try to sell candy, um, but he just consistently gets it done. And at the, at the end of the game, you sort of look at the stats sheet and he's had 30 and um, and he's really sort of bolted himself right up into pick one calculations now. Um, if you ask some of the experts, they'll sort of tell you that it might be down to Rayner and Brayshaw at number one. Um, first of all, before we get into that, can you give us a bit of an insight into Andrew Brayshaw, the player and the person? Yeah, sure, sure mate. Look, he's um, a really well-rounded young young fella and um, yeah, a little bit like what you're saying. He's, he's, he's probably, um, just he, he himself, he's, he's probably more prepared to do uh, the harder things uh, for the team and, you know, probably the inside stuff and not that he can't get out and uh, run and carry and those type of things too, but he's uh, built his game so he can attack and defend. So you'll see those 30 touches, but he'll also end up having 10 tackles and uh, probably hit the, hit the score sheet as well. So um, he has impacted a, a range of areas. Um, played in our premiership side last year as a bottom age, as a defender. Uh, he's shown he can hit the goals uh, as well this year as a midfielder come small forward so he's probably out of a lot of those guys uh, one of the, the players that are probably ready to go and play AFL football right now um, if he has, a, has another good pre-season and um, I, I think that's an exciting prospect uh, for a lot of people and I, I think the one area he does stand out in is his, um, is his uh, uh, probably his ability to push late in games and his ability to find something extra so his, his work rate off the field to get himself ready but and when he's really challenged and, you know, it was probably like the Oakley prelim final. Uh, we thought he took his work rate to another level uh, late in the game when we were really challenged. And he, you know, it was probably off his back that we got over the line and, and he to play the grand final. Yeah, um, he tested, obviously he tested really well at the combine and showed that. Um, the fact, you said he's sort of one of the ones that in this draft that might be ready just to go straight away at an AFL club. And I mean, I guess that's sort of why um, he's been touted as sort of one of the last two that's down to to go to number one. Um, what do you think his chances are of going at number one? Or if he doesn't go there, um, he may even slip out of the top three or four. It's a bit of an interesting one. We just talked about uh, talked to Matt about it. Um, but what do you think his chances are of going to the Lions? Or if he doesn't, where, where do you think he'll go? Yeah, Matt, look, it's a really interesting one. The, the, the top of the draft, the top 10, 10 players are going to be very, very good uh, players, uh, given a good run with injuries and all of that type of thing. But, you know, they're, they're the best junior talent. They, they still haven't transitioned to senior footy yet. And as much as, uh, you know, you, Andy McGrath got picked one, Tim Taranda got picked two last year from us, um, they, they still had to transition, do a pre-season, put their hand up, perform in pre-season games uh, and, and really, uh, I suppose, compete for spots against uh, players that have already been on an AFL list. So... There's a fair bit ahead of them. Um, I think this competitiveness and, and this need to almost step in and improve again is, is what Andy's prepared for. And look, having heard him speak on uh, on radio and, and some of his other media stuff, he's quite aware that it's a national competition and he could go anywhere. And he just he, he wants to go wherever he can to play football, and he wants to get the best out of himself. And I, I think they're the traits um, that make him very very appealing. And I would say, yeah, if he, if he gets a chance to go one, fantastic, and you can really see the reasons why. But any of those boys that are high up, they, they've got some really good junior footy credentials, and um, there's some special qualities in all of them. Um, sure, yep, but there's probably a couple of weaknesses too that they've got to keep working on and might have to work on for their whole career. But it's an interesting time for, for a draft pick, um, you know, hitting the ground running and, and their first pre-season after what's a, what's a massive year uh, in their draft year with their year 12 and, and other things going on. 
Um, just quickly, you mentioned um, that he's sort of the kid that would be prepared to go anywhere. Um, do you think, so do you not think at all that he's um, a bit of a flight risk? I mean, a, lot of, a lot's been made of sort of the go-home factor with, with Josh Shackey coming home and a lot of other um, players coming from up north back to Victoria. Um, do you think there'd be no worries there if, if, um, if he did happen to go into state? But look, you, you can't. You, you never can say never, uh, especially in footy. And I suppose we've, we've, it's been a really interesting year watching another uh, ex-former uh, Dragon, Joshy Kelly, uh, have overtures made and a lot of press about discussions around is he going to come back to Melbourne or is he going to stay at GWS? And, um, you know, he ended up resigning and, and all of those types of things. So it's, it's a really big business now. So in saying that, I think clubs are looking for intrinsic qualities of how uh, people form relationships. Um, Strength of character, uh, I suppose, how they come across. Is, you know, we, we talked about how we played in big games and um, when the pressure's on. And, and I think they're all things that might link you to have formed really strong relationships and bonds uh, at a club. And that might bode well in terms of, uh, you know, the go home factor. But, but you never know what kind of other things that will weigh into it. But um, yeah, look, it's all an interesting part of the debate, uh, not being on the inner sanctum. Um, of those top few picks, especially interstate clubs, that might be worried about, uh, yeah, the, the, oh, I suppose the dominance of the talent coming out of uh, the TAC Cup in Victoria. You know, last year was 65% of the entire draft pool came out of the TAC Cup. So there is going to be that factor weighed in, isn't there? Um, just quickly, did you did you expect to see him in pick one calculations, sort of at the start of the year and even even during the year? Um, did you expect to see him up this high? Uh, look, you, you probably you probably don't expect the boys to be in any rough category. Do, do you know what I mean? It's probably you're working hard with them to get the absolute best out of themselves at the time and also to uh, you know, meet their commitments at home and, and, and also handle their schoolwork. And um, as much as we expect elite behaviours um, and things are tracking well, until you know later in the season, you don't start to get a, an idea of where boys may be able to end and uh, end up and um, look, it was very similar with Andy McGrath last year. You know, Andy started. We, we knew he was always going to be a very, very good little player, um, but his application over the course of his, his uh, final tack year and, and you know, his application to his form at school and Big Metro, everything else like that was outstanding. And similar with Andy, you know, Andy's probably had a one little injury hiccup in the middle of the year, and in, in some ways, people might have thought, oh no, he's, he's had an injury. But uh, I know speaking to clubs that actually thought highly of that, how he. Uh, rehabbed, how he recovered, and then how he basically stepped straight back in without looking like he'd missed a beat, because that's the realities of senior footy. You're going to have times when you're hurt, you're going to have times where you've got to rehab and all of those things. So, um, I, look, yeah, so I, I didn't expect him uh, to be in the calculations that way. Um, now, looking at all and, and looking at the weight of the arguments for him, I'm, I'm not surprised at all, and I could really see why someone would grab him very high. Yeah, no doubt. Um, before we move on from the Brayshaw name, I need to ask you about his brother, not Angus um, Hamish. He was looked over last year and he came back uh, to the Dragons as a 19-year-old. Um, played well in the Tac Cup. I watched him a bit this year and he played, I think he might have played 12, correct me if I'm wrong, I think it was 12 games in the VFL. Um, yep. To me, I think he's got AFL written all over him. What do you think his chances are? Yeah, look, I, I think so. Sorry about the noise there. Um, <laughs> That's all right. I think... Uh, <laughs> I think Hamish uh, deserves a chance, and um, look, he's, he's battled through some adversity. Uh, he played the last uh, bit of uh, the season last year in our premiership year with a with a, a cracked foot. Um, he didn't realise, and he was 
you know, I suppose under under duress, and um, he ended up having to have an operation, and basically, uh, you know, he didn't have a pre-season, and yet to come out and be able to play well, attack, and then transition to VFL senior footy and do well, and then come back and be part of our finals campaign, and you know, in in that little stretch at the back end of the year, he had a, a 30 possession, five goal performance out of the midfield, so. We're talking pretty serious junior footballer, and I think he's shown enough to say that there's stuff going on for him at senior level. Um, there was a little bit of a concern about you know, him being able to cover the ground and spread and some pace, but look, he tested really well at uh, combine. He almost broke three seconds for 20 metres, which means he's not slow. And um, then he's also shown in his game he's been able to cover the ground and, and really work hard out of stoppage and, and, and get moving. So I think he's shown an ability to understand maybe how clubs are perceiving some weaknesses and what he needs to add to his game and get about his work and, and, and really produce it. So, um, yeah, we're, we're hoping for big things come Friday for Hamish. Yeah. Um, we'll, just, we'll just get through a couple of players here on um, the Sandy list who um, are likely to get drafted. Charlie Constable is another one that may go in the first round. A lot have him rated as a pure footballer right up there with the top five and six. Some have him um, falling outside the top, outside the sort of first round, even in the 20s. Um, where do you see Charlie Constable? What type of player is he? Yeah, look, Charlie Charlie and Andy are actually really close and really good mates. and They've sort of been working away for a couple of years underneath Angus and, and Hamish, and in some ways they've been lucky because they've been able to observe it and, and probably observe, uh, absorb what they need to do and, and, and bring through. Charlie's had an outstanding season. Um, he's probably had a couple of years where he uh, was impacted um, uh, you know, by, by a couple of broken arms and different things that were completely out of his control, so impact injuries um, in his, his junior footy. And um, so to be able to work hard enough to, to basically transition at that the 16 age group, he was more a defender. Um, and to transition to be a key defensive role into being that big body midfielder and, and having the effect on the game. about that um, a lot of a lot of people have sort of compared him to that Patrick Cripp style player and the last player I wanted to to go through with you is Angus Styles. he's a bit of a favorite of mine I watched him a bit um, earlier on this year I reckon I reckon I mean he's flying under the radar a little bit in the media but I think he has something about him do you see um, Angus Styles as any chance to be a mid to late pick or um, what do you think with Styles? yeah look we, we probably see Angus's best 40 as being elite and uh, at times he's just had a, a little bit of trouble consistently providing it at that level. And, um, you know, he's, he's a fantastic young man who works very hard at his game. Uh, he's got a, a lot of ASL attributes in terms of his athleticism, his kick, uh, his agility, um, all of these types of things, his vision. Um, so it's just probably a little bit more about consistently performing right at his best. Um, but look, sometimes that, that comes with a little bit more maturity. Um, we've got to remember these boys aren't 18 yet, uh, a lot of them. So it's um, it's a really interesting time uh, in regards to that. Um, we, we're, we're hoping Gus gets his chance mid to late and uh, um, can embark upon his AFL career and uh, really really look to show that a little bit more of that maturity and consistency as he goes. Yeah, the last thing I wanted to... Or one of the last things I wanted to touch on you is how do you think um, this group of players that you have this year compares to last year? I mean, it's a pretty, it's a pretty tall order to follow with... Pick one and two, McGrath and Taranto, and then Jack Scrimshaw and even Ollie Florent. I think I'm missing one more as well. Um, well 
Yeah, we'll, we'll set a few. Yeah, yeah. Um, how do you think this this year's draft crop of yours compares to last year? Yeah, look, it, it's interesting because they're all different. Um, you know, six of uh, last year's eight draft draftees debuted last year at AFL senior level. Um, we won the premiership. Um, we came close to winning this year. So, do you grade them as a team? You know, how do you grade individual players? It, it's, a, it's an interesting one across the across all of it. What I think, we, we set the boys a challenge and we sort of got back um, from, uh, I suppose, our break last year and we were saying to the boys, well, gee, you've got a hard act to follow, but are you going to be daunted by that or are you going to rise to the challenge? And we, we really think this group rose to the challenge and, and not only as, only as individuals stepped up and improved like an Andy Brasher or a Charlie Constable or, um, you know, probably came from another sport and came out of the blue like a Nathan Murphy, um, we, we think as a team and as a club, uh, the, the boys really gelled together and um, they, they wanted to actually drive and, and, and probably perform at their best. And I, I think that that's, uh, that's really good signs in terms of where it's going. Last year's crop, you know, to have five in the top 11 picks, um, I'm not sure that will be able to be matched again. Um, and it was probably a little bit freakish the way it sort of panned out. And, and there was a lot of, a bit of luck involved for all the boys, but... Um, yeah, look, it's going to be really interesting come draft night. We'll probably be able to discuss that a little bit better post-draft and we see where everything falls. But we've probably got... Um, we're hoping to get five, maybe six in the main draft. We think that there's probably a couple more in contention at the back end slash rookies. Um, you know, if, if we can luckily get a couple more uh, AFL opportunities, that'd be fantastic. Um, you know, the, the boys this year, we had 16 kids represent at Big Metro in trials and, um, and, and right through to the main games. Um, we had 17 kids involved in state screen and national combine, so that means AFL clubs are looking at them seriously and they, they're putting their hands up to perform. So I think to this stage they've, they've done really, really well. So, yeah, we're, we're really proud of this this crop of kids. Yeah, it's a bit of a juggernaut, um, the Dragons that you run there. Um, seem to produce top 10 um, picks every just about every year. The last one I wanted to ask you, um, we know cl- clearly the most of the players would be, be pretty nervous at the moment. Their exams are finished and there's... And I'll certainly be nervous on Friday. What about from a talent manager's, talent manager's perspective? Are you nervous at all? Um, yeah, look, in some ways I am, mate. It's, it's an interesting one. There's a amount of care that goes in. And look, it's also care for my staff and um, each of the talent managers and, and I suppose our, our managers at, at AFL Victoria all work very closely together to provide not just a football development package, but it's probably a, a program in a holistic sense. So it's, it's trying to understand what the kids and the families are going through, um, who's probably a little bit more experienced in terms of football circles, like the Brayshaws have been through it before, so they probably understand a little bit more about it. But maybe Will Walker and, and his parents, Will's come from soccer, they don't know as much about it and what to expect and what to go through. So, yeah, look, we, we're probably ecstatic for the boys to get opportunity on draft night, but also really feeling for the families and the boys that miss out and then what's going to come next and you know that's that's why we promote family and school and and, and really having a well-balanced and rounded life so um because sports sports fantastic and uh, it's great but it, it it can't be the be all and end all for a lot of these boys um but yeah so it, it, it's sometimes with a little bit of mixed emotions uh, we head up to it but hopefully what we've done is we've educated and prepared these boys to handle a lot of these things and um look they're, they're, they're very good quality young men, so I'm sure they'll do well. Yeah, no, no doubt about that. Um, listen, you've given us a, a great insight to the draft from a Sandringham perspective. Um, you run a great program down there, and year after year, boys are produced and 
Um, there's no doubt. I'm sure this year will be another big year for you. Thanks for joining us, Ryan. No, any time, mate. It's uh, been good talking about the boys and, and, and promoting uh, how well they've gone and, and also promoting uh, the club and, and the Tech Cup system. Um, hopefully we have another bumper result for Victoria and, uh, yeah, uh, we, can, we can see them hopefully playing on the big stage next year. We've had guests everywhere today. We had Matt Barmer to start with, just finished talking to Ryan O'Connor. Um, and now we're lucky enough to be joined by Len Villani, the talent manager of the Eastern Rangers. Len, how you going, mate? Good, Harrison. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Um, we'll get straight into it. We've got a lot to get through with you. Um, hang on, if I can just find my page here. Um, there's Eastern are absolutely um, stacked with with uh, likely players to go in the draft this year. Um, Jaden Stevenson's one that's been thrown up as a top five chance, top ten chance. Um, in the last few days, there's been a bit of talk about a problem he has with his heart. Before we get into it, can you just explain what that what that is? Oh, look, it, it's probably not for me to say and go into great detail, but I know that all the AFL clubs have got um, the appropriate information and uh, they've obviously checked that out with their medical staff and um, the majority of them, the feedback that I've got is that they see no issue at all in terms of what their medical staff have said regarding Jaden's condition. Um, and I'm, I'm pretty uh, pretty certain that you'll have his uh, name called out in the first uh, half a dozen at least uh, come Friday night. Yeah, fair enough. Um, can you just give us a bit of an insight? I mean, for anyone who's watched Jaden Stevenson, I mean, there's probably not a single player in the AFL um, like him. Um, could you just give us a bit of an insight into, into Jaden Stevenson, the player and the person as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, he very much plays the way he, he is in terms of his temperament and his character. So um, plenty of flair, um, a willingness to take the game on, run and carry the football, uh, elite speed, um, able to repeat that speed, which is a really big advantage in the modern-day game, obviously. Very good in the air as a forward, but he'll clean you out at ground level as well. He's got a great goal sense and, and knack for goal. Um, so he's very much that modern-day match-winning type player, which I think uh, has a real X factor about him uh, and why he probably appeals to so many clubs in terms of his versatility to be able to play you know, as a taller forward, even though he's not you know, a key position size, but then also be able to run and carry the football and give you some, uh, you know, run through the wings and, and keep you connected as well. So, yeah, he's um, he certainly uh, caught the eye of many over the last couple of years as his first time I've seen as a 16-year-old um, and ended up kicking three goals in that TAC Cup Grand Final in 2015. So. Yeah, he's been, for a lot of the year, he's been um, touted as just about... A, a, um a top five talent for sure. Do you, do you see him sliding anywhere past St Kilda at seven or eight or or even Freo oh, at five? Yeah, look, in all honesty, no one knows what's going to happen on Friday night, but I think if St Kilda with those double picks there at seven and eight, uh, I think they'd be licking their lips if he got down to them and uh, I've got no doubt that they'd be calling his name out and he's going to play a lot of good AFL football and he'll quickly become a, a very much a fan favourite just the way he plays and he'll catch the eye early and, uh, and not only that in terms of character off field and, and the sort of young man he is I'm very humble um, at the same time quietly confident and speaks his mind and a very articulate young man as well too so uh, they're going to get a quality person not just a quality football that's for sure yeah there's no doubt about that he is electric when you watch him um, Adam Chera is the other Eastern boy that is almost well absolute certainty to go Top 10, probably even top five. Um, can you give us a bit of an insight into Adam Chara? Uh, in a word, effortless. Uh, he just <laughs> loses class, Adam. He's, 
balanced, he's got time, he sees what's happening before most others around him do, and he's able to execute and play a number of different roles. Um, had a little sort of couple of bits and pieces with injury over the last sort of 18, 24 months, um, but very much impact injury. So going forward, they're not going to be anything that's going to concern him. Um, but a genuine good-sized mid who can play a defensive role as he did as a 15-year-old on Ainsworth in the 2015 Grand Final. I think he had 21 possessions at half-time and kept him to three possessions in the second half as a shutdown as a 15-year-old. Um, and, you know, three years on from there, um, I'm sure that if he had played a full season of TAC Cup footy, um, that he would, uh, oh, for me anyway, would potentially be talked about in that, that Cam Rainer one-two sort of um, scenario. But it always comes down to needs as well. But um, another one in terms of his temperament, um, nothing seems to phase or bother him too much. Um, you know, he's very smart and switched on and he speaks very, very well like he's a professional already. And, and that comes across in his training and his preparation and the way in which he goes about it on a match day as well too. So he, um, for me, is, is probably the most complete player that I've seen um, in the sort of last 12, 13 years I've been involved at TAC Cup for years. Uh, I've got no doubt he'll transition straight into an AFL club and make an impact pretty early. Yeah, you sort of um, you sort of answered my next question already. I was going to say, um, if, I mean, it's a bit of a hypothetical, but if he didn't have sort of the injury um, the injury troubles that he has had, um, where do you think he'd be placed? So, do you think if he if he if he had had a full season, he would have been right up there with with Rayner and Brayshaw at one? Yeah, I, I, I honestly do. Um, there's not really many any chinks in his armour. Um, can play inside, elite kick of the footy. Um, clearly played defensive roles win his own ball he went forward against the game in Gippsland I think he kicked, ended up kicking three goals five and a half and probably should have had you know six of those um, and really pretty much single handed the game to bed in the first half so able to do that throughout the Nationals played a bit off half back as well uh, got great depth in his kicking um, so I just see him going on at the higher level and really just um, reveling in that sort of environment and being able to take even the next steps. Yeah, I don't think there'd be too many people who've watched him play footy who disagree with you there. Um, Joel Garner's another one um, who's an Eastern boy. I spoke to um, I spoke to Nick Caulfield um, earlier on in the year and I uh, um, asked him about when he came into Vic Metro and, and, and what sort of players um, had influenced him and who did he learn off. And the first one he said, he said, Joel Garner, as soon as I walked in, I mean, Nick Caulfield's certainly not a nobody now, but he said, when I walked into to Vic Metro, I was a nobody and, you know, I'd never I'd never played um, any representative footy well, other than at the Knights. I'd never played any sort of state footy. And Joel Garner was the first one that came up to me and just uh, made me feel welcome. He, I think he shared a room with him and he just said he was um, the most professional footballer he'd ever seen. Can you give us a um, bit of an insight into Joel Garner? Yeah, look, Joel is a young man who oozes leadership. He's in every sense of the word, and I think that comes from his genuine care for people. Um, and, and sometimes it's asked from AFL recruiters as to whether or not it's just, you know, something he does, or is it is, is it a bit of a facade, maybe? Um, but in every sense of the word, he, he generally cares about others, and that's what makes him a great leader. I think first and foremost, so he invests time into other people as. You've obviously given the example there with Nick. Um, so it doesn't surprise me at all to hear that feedback because at all levels, and 
he's a leader in many different walks of life, Joel, not just obviously with us, but at his school and um, throughout EAFL Academy and Vic Metro as well. Um, so that that's a, you know an asset in itself in terms of being able to get into an AFL environment and lift the standards and make people accountable and, and all of the rest. It drives a lot of the other things. And, and when you've got some natural talent, which he certainly does, um, it's going to take you a fair way. So. Yeah, no doubt. Um, the other one I wanted to ask you about was Sam Hayes. Um, he's probably clearly the best the ruck in this draft. He's back-to-back All-Australian in the ruck. But being um, All-Australian ruckman as, as a bottom major, he's no mean feat. Um, he's rated by um, just about anyone you ask as, as probably a top 15 or 20 talent, even higher maybe. Some have him just as a pure talent in the top 12 or 13. But clubs have often been um, a bit scared of drafting ruckman early. Um, Brody Grundy slipped to 19 or 18, I think. Um, where do you see Sam Hayes sitting sort of in the rankings of sort of things um, with the rest of the draft? But um, compared to that, do you think he'll fall, slide further than that? Um, do you see him going in the 20s or 30s or, or could he go in that first round? Yeah, it's always been uh, a conversation piece in terms of people see where boys get drafted and, and sort of maybe attach that their level of ability to that particular number. Um, but it is very much a needs basis, particularly with the earlier picks. Um, so if Sam Hayes does slip to that 25-30 mark, it's certainly not a reflection on, I don't think, his football talent, because it is immense. And what he's been able to do over the last couple of years, and he's come from a very low base. Um, Sam was a very raw, unassuming, skinny 16-year-old boy when we saw him out at Ferntree Gully, um, who needed a lot of work. Um, and there's still a lot of work to go, but what he's already been able to produce in the numbers throughout the TAC Cup season, if you look at his numbers across the board, uh, averaging over 20 possessions, over 30 hit-outs, and at least a goal a game, um, once he gets the work into him and he's able to cover the ground, and that's going to take some time, so they're going to have to be patient at AFL level, um, I honestly believe he's got attributes that could potentially make him the next, in the next four or five years the best big man in the game. That's a massive call. Um, do you see him as a more of a key forward or a ruck? Um, and that's the other part of the conversation too. I think initially, um, given that he probably doesn't get across the ground as well as some of the others, that's the versatility. You might draft him initially going long-term, this is a young man who we think, maybe a bit like a Rory Lobb, that we think he's going to end up playing ruck for us. But in the initial, let, let's educate him because he clearly can take a catch. Um, he's going to get better as he gets stronger as well. And he's a beautiful set shot for goal too. Um, you know, he kicked five or six um, up against um, Gippsland when we played them up at Hillsville earlier in the year and was able to show his hand there. And he's done it at nationals level as well when he's gone forward. So whilst they're building that base and the athletic development side of things, um, I think that he'll have four rays in the ruck, but he'll probably start as a more forward ruck. And then hopefully in time, once he can get across the ground, um, a little bit better, he's able to transition and play probably more as a ruck forward, if you like. Yeah, it's pretty interesting to see um, where he might end up. Um, can you give us... I mean, you may have eight, nine, ten players drafted. Who knows? Um, could you give us some someone on your list who might be a bit of a smoky? Um, Tom North. So look for him in the back end of the draft, yeah. I think. Um, Tommy's had a bit of an indifferent year, but he, as a bottom major completely flourished um, pretty much from round five onwards last year when we uh, a lot of boys sort of went off to Vic Metro. We had a dozen boys play Vic Metro last year. And as a bottom major, he just flourished in that time. 
he was able to take that next step, take on that responsibility and become a real midfield general. And um, he was super fit and had done a lot of work on his body, um, which he still continues to do now. Um, and it's a credit to him. But um, I liken him a little bit to a Matt Prittis meets a Clayton Oliver. Um, so if you can sort of paint a picture in your mind, strong inside ball winner, uh, elite feet, um, just accumulates possession, really high cruising speed, great endurance, which allows him to get from contest to contest, um, but also has great penetration and is able to hit the scoreboard. Um, I'd hazard a guess and say he's probably you know, one of the bigger kicks in this actual draft. Um, a 65-metre bomb from Tommy, a drop pun isn't... Uh, you know, is an unseen. So he's he's got that ability to hit the scoreboard, which obviously is a real asset given the way rotations are going as well in the modern game. Um, but yeah, I just hope he gets an opportunity in AFL club. Um, 2018, uh, sorry, 2017 was a little bit indifferent again, uh, coming off the back of an ankle surgery in the off season. Had some moments, didn't really get going, but I'm sure the good judges saw enough of him, particularly as a bottom major, to suggest that he uh, ticks enough boxes to give him an opportunity. Yeah, it's an interesting one as well there. Um, we've only got a couple of minutes left, but last one I want to ask you, it's a bit of a hard question to, to sort of answer, but is this, I mean, I, I spoke about it before, you may have you know up to 10 players drafted, which could be unbelievable, um, but is this, do you reckon this is the best draft crop that you've had? Um, depending on on what you sort of measure as being what the best might look like, is it based on purely on numbers? Um, if so, well, yeah, I think this could be the the best draft that probably most clubs have have, have ever had. I don't know, I'd have to check the records, but I'd say it'd be close to probably one club in Australia getting as many kids drafted. I'd say it'd be pretty close. Um, but I, for me, the success of, of of what we do is is definitely measured by yes, of course, draft numbers, but when kids fall out of our program um, or they finish and they return back to local footy and they become real leaders in that community and in that space and over the 25 years I and mean, local leagues now are just littered with boys and girls now too that have actually come through an Eastern Rangers program and, and had an education around that, not just around footy but about being a quality person and a leader in their community and I think that's a really important message of what we do that sometimes does get a little bit lost, but uh, it's certainly not lost on me. It's something that gives me a really great buzz um, and sort of keeps the fire burning for me as well too. So. Yeah, yeah, you have an unbelievable draft crop this year, um, as you have in, in previous years before, and, and just like Ryan did, um, you've given us a great insight into the draft from an Eastern perspective. Um, thanks so much for joining us, Len. Thanks, Harrison. Have a good day, mate. No worries, you too. Uh, Len Villani there, the... Eastern Rangers talent manager. Um, they could make a serious impact on the draft this year. Um, they probably probably will have the most players drafted out of any club. Anyway, we, we only have a couple minutes left. Um, I wanted to get into some mature age chances. Um, and I was expecting to have a little bit more time, but um, we were blessed with, with great guests today. Um, but we'll just go through a couple of them. Um, it's a bit interesting. There's actually a few of them this year. Oscar Baker um, is one... He's a bit of a winger from Aspley. Um, he, I think he was delisted from... He was cut from the Lions Academy last year. Um, and he kicked. He went on to Asp, play to Aspley, as I said. Um, he kicked the goal of the year in the kneeful. Um, he's, he's strongly been linked to Melbourne in the second round. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Ds had a punt on him at um, one of their picks. I think they might have 31 and 36. Um, Liam Ryan, there's a couple of Western Australian boys. Liam Ryan is an, is an indigenous small forward from Subiaco. Um, he takes mark of, the, mark of the Year just about every week. He's very athletic, 
Um, the Eagles are very keen. They're a high chance of he's a high chance of going one of the WA clubs, but um, the Eagles certainly look likely at twenty six. Tim Kelly may be the first mature ager picked up in the draft. Um, he's a goal kicking mid from South Fremantle. He's got really clean hands. He's good above his head when he goes forward. Um, and I'll just go through a last last couple of these. Bailey Fritch um, is an elusive forward with clean hands and a beautiful left foot, foot kick. Melbourne really like him. Um, his range are maybe around 50. Melbourne have pick 47, um, so we may go there. And um, the last one I wanted to mention was, I mean, I'm sure a lot of listeners will, will remember the name Cam O'Shea, especially Port supporters. Um, bit of a shock that he got delisted um, at the end of, let me get this right, the end of 2016. Um, and then played at the Northern Blues all this year. Um, he's a bit of a, he's a bit of an interesting play. He's sort of a running key defender. Um, he's a, he's a huge body. Um, so he, Certainly can fit into a key defensive spot, but he's a bit of a running player as well. Um, he played, as I said, he played at the Northern Blues this year, and he won the PNF by a record amount of votes. I think he broke Kane Lambert's record from a few years ago, um, and we know what Kane Lambert's done now. He's also a VFL Team of the Year. Um, he's been training with Carlton, and Carlton uh, might look set to take him um, in the national draft. Certainly, maybe in the rookie draft. Um, but yeah, Camo Shea looks like one. I mean, there's a couple of Don Barry, former former Melbourne player, Marty Hall won the. The Collingwood B, um, VFL BNF. Um, so there's a few floating around, maybe even more than than previous years. Um, but anyway, I think that just about wraps us up. Um, as I said, it's only been me here. Dan and Billy have both bailed on me, left me one out. Um, but I've had good enough guests to join me for the rest of the show. Um, thanks for listening to the trade table all throughout the trade period. Um, we're obviously, we're on daily during the trade period, and we've we've gone out to one week, uh, one show a week during the draft period. Um, but, it, but it's been heaps of fun from all seven of us that um, started on the trade on the trade table um, a month or two ago. It's been good fun. Um, so thanks for listening to the trade table throughout the year. Thanks for listening to the trade table on Sin ninety point seven, the home of everything you need to know about the trade and free agency period. Powered by AFL TRDON. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash the trade table, or follow us on Twitter at the trade table.